Welcome to another episode of the ignitionblog.com podcast. I'm Nolan. I'm Matt. And today we talk about a little bit of wagon love with a full review of the Buick Regal Tour X and the best of Goodwood Festival Speed. Alright, Matt, how's it going? It's going well, how are you? Doing pretty well. Uh, this is the first podcast, we're live, in person. Staring at each other. Staring right at each other's eyes. <laughs> um, this is live from the playroom. <laughs> All the magic happens. Yes, it is. Uh, so yeah, we're sitting here um, <laughs> at Mass Place. We are enjoying some uh, Coronas on ice. We are because we're classy like that. Because it's like ninety-two degrees. It is about one hundred and sixty degrees in this playroom. Yep. <laughs> so no better, uh, no better time to talk uh, all things Goodwood, um, all things wagons, all things wagons. Yeah, we had a Buick uh, Regal um, Tour X wagon. Uh, last time I was up here, Matt got experience that, so we figured uh, first for everything, first uh, car we got to see together uh, in a long time, and then uh, first podcast. That's true. In person, so and we'll go over our top five wagons. Yeah, do a little bit. Yeah, both of us chose our top five wagons of all time. We've not told each other. Um, I'm gonna be really mad if both of us chose the same five wagons, which is probably gonna happen. Yeah, we never know. Um, but yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do that. But first, uh, let's start with Goodwood. So you watched some Goodwood, at least the highlights? Yeah, I did. I watched a little bit of it. Um, we'll go over some of the notable stuff. Yeah, what was your favorite, I guess? We you had like one favorite mm-hmm. running up the hill. I like the new McLaren 600 LT. LT. Yeah. That was pretty cool. Yeah, it sounds nice. I like that they debuted it and just went balls out up the hill with a brand new car, and mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, all the McLaren stuff, like 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 the brands are embracing Goodwood a lot more. Yeah. Like... Especially the European brands. Yeah, they mm-hmm. love it. Um, I, I want to go so bad. But I like see all those like little English kids just walking around yeah. with their accents. Like, what's your favorite? And it's like, <laughs> I love them clients. <laughs> it's the worst accent ever. I love it, yeah. yeah. It, would, it would be such a cool thing to do. Such a cool experience. Um, but some of the other cool stuff. Yeah, I know the... Uh, I uh, love the, my favorite was probably the Aston Martin Signet. I always love that, that little cool. car. Um, that's like, a, I think it's just an EPA car for Aston Martin. Yeah, I don't think it's, they just make it to like, because their average fuel economy right. is like 12 miles per gallon. Yeah. Um, but I still, I would kill for one of those just oh, because it's yeah. so random. Um, it's like essentially a smart car. Smart car with a 4.7 liter V8. <laughs> yeah, that's the, the, yeah, the one they had a good wood was uh, they threw a V8 in it, which is awesome because I don't think they make those anymore. Mm-hmm. Like they're not even on sale, and they just took the uh, an engine from a Vantage S uh, with 430 horsepower, and the thing sounded sick. And, it was very cool. Um, so that was cool to see up the hill. What else do we have? We had... McLaren Senna went up the hill. That was just debuted a couple weeks ago. Yeah. A month ago. Yeah, it's been like been out a little bit, yeah. which... So the, you and I both are kind of like, meh, on the looks on of the it. On the looks, yeah. But for performance, you can't really like argue with it. It's, no, the sound, performance, everything about it. Is, is great, except for it looks a little too track-focused for me. Yeah, it looks weird. Like I said, I it looks mean, like someone from Grand Theft Auto. Like yeah. Somebody made a fake supercar. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of weird, but that was that was all right to see. Uh, again, back to Aston Martin, they have this DPS Supra-Legera. Mm-hmm. We think it's, uh, I think it's gorgeous. Yeah, I think it's great. Looks good. 715 horsepower. I think sounded awesome. Koenigsegg um, Regera went up the hill. Yeah, which is a weird-sounding car, too. It mm-hmm. sounds good, but it's also like... Electric plug-in, right? I don't know what it yeah. is, but it's that thing's a beast. Um, they they ripped that thing up the hill too, which I, I like to see. Yeah, I like them see just like probably just one of like five Frigaras in existence of yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. So that was cool to see the Polestar one, which we both have mixed reviews on. That one, I like the looks of the one. Yeah, I do too. But the price is a little sketch. Yeah, one hundred fifty-five thousand dollars is the starting price. They're not going to make more than a couple hundred, I think. Um, Six hundred horsepower electric. Performance cars that had like no noise going up the hill. There's a lot of hype from yeah. Polestar. It's like their first supercar, quote unquote supercar. Yeah, it's weird that like it's Polestar as a brand. It's its own separate brand, yeah. sort of. I just don't know. I don't know who buys this car. I don't either. Uh, maybe like super loyal, super rich Volvo owners. Yeah, I don't know if those exist. I don't know. Like non hippie Volvo owners, which don't exist. Yeah, uh, like I said, I think it's cool technology. I think maybe mm-hmm. it's just a showcase of the technology and then. Some guys, I mean, it's going to be cool in like 40 years yeah. and it's like, oh God, Definitely. you never see one of those. Um, so we'll see. Um, hopefully, you know, hopefully they have those in the LA fleet because it'd be kind of fun to, that would be fun to test it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Well, it's a guy. It's a, I kind of like the Lamborghini Urus. Urus? Urus? Whatever it is. Ursus. The SUV, just because it, eh, it still sounds like a Lamborghini. Yeah. So all the pictures you see, and it's kind of like, meh, but it still uh, sounds good. It still does sound good. It's basically a Q7 with a Audi V10. Yeah. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Looks all right. Uh, of course, the big ones, the v- uh, Volkswagen, the ID Pikes Peak car that just broke the Pikes Peak record. That Super was there. Cool. Yeah. I think it broke its class, or beat its class for the fastest time up Goodwood. Uh, I think it's a beast. Like, it's, just, yeah. it's made for that. So The technology is going to be amazing, especially with what they're doing at that car. And seeing what they're going to be doing down the line is going to be amazing. Yeah, I know they're coming in now with their crossover and their, and their bus. We're talking the bus, so really... Excited to see what they come out with, and hopefully that's something that's actually like yeah. legit and not definitely going to be a great comeback from their whole diesel situation they ran into a couple of years ago. Yeah, so it's good to see them like a quick turnaround, yeah. relatively quick for well, the yeah. switch to electric. All that R and D in two years, and they came out with this. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, so that's nice. Uh, the Porsche, the pig, the pig car, um, the one Mama mm-hmm. um, in its class that was there that was good to see that the new Porsche Speedster which was pretty cool to see that in real life everybody's been speculating on what it's going to look like what features it's going to have but it was cool to see like the the center hood um, fuel filler yeah and like the brushed aluminum mirrors and all the real homage to the Speedster which was cool yeah so that's I I think it looks great yeah so there's a lot of guys that are mixed a lot of Porsche guys are getting kind of like um they're over the special edition, like yeah. the Pierce guys, because they just think it's like quick cash grab from Porsche, which yeah. sort of is. Like they think it's kind of a Ferrari level of nonsense. But but the cool thing is, is this is going to have the GT3 engine with a manual transmission, which is amazing. Yeah, so I think it's cool. Um, but I think they're probably mad because it's going to be like you have to fight somebody to get one of those. So yeah, for sure. I don't sure. think they want to do the like they don't want it to be a full time job to try to get one of these. And unfortunately, right. it's going to be pretty much a full time job. Um, there's uh, always some good wrecks. We had Goldberg, the wrestler. It's <laughs> a good headline. He wrecked the uh, Tundra NASCAR. I think it was a Tundra. I think yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah. What they have in the NASCAR truck series. So yeah, he uh, he wrecked that one. Put it into a wall. Yep. Or hay bales or something. Yep. Uh, they had the Bullet Mustang, which is kind of cool. Like a, a cool moment, I guess. They had the original Bullet and the, the new Bullet Mustang go like side by side, like like twelve miles an hour up the hill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that was they, pretty cool. Yeah, you could tell that the original bullet there and uh, they were not uh, yeah. anywhere near it. No, they had like too valuable. Yeah, they had the new one like up, like quite a ways away. Yeah, in front of it doing burnouts. And then the uh, the new Nissan GT GTR fifty Italia design went up the hill. Looks pretty cool. Like yeah, it's yeah, not it my style, but cool. it's different. I think that's kind of what the last gen GTR looked like when it first came out too. It was just like very different from mm-hmm. what we were used to. Yeah, but. But there's a lot of talk about the next gen. Like they're saying that it's gonna be the fastest supercar in its class, or not sports car, I guess is what class it's in, which is kind of we'll bold. See. I don't really yeah. know what they're comparing it to, but that'll be interesting to see. They um, did it with the first one, so we'll see what they do on the second one. Yeah, uh, and then there's also some driverless cars. I only saw a little bit of that. I'm not, you probably didn't I see haven't much. seen any of that. Yeah. So there's a robo car, which I've seen. Um, I see at the race service, um, like studio in LA. Um, shout out to the race service guys. They're doing like kind of donut media. Um, style content, but they're sponsoring a real race. So it's like a it's a whole race series where the drivers. I think it's like the drivers do a lap in the cars, like the professional drivers, and then they the car learns where they braked and where they like drove, and That's then crazy. the car goes out and runs a lap by itself, and they like compare them and stuff to like kind it's of pretty cool technology though. Yeah, so it's kind of interesting to see where that goes um, as it advances, but um yeah not too exciting to watch it go up the hill because it went pretty slow yeah i bet it was pretty cool to see adam corolla go up the hill on his 935 we're big fans of the corolla show so it was cool to see him fly over there and go up the hill yeah the noise that thing like just the turbo and like uh, we've we've heard about him buying that car and driving it a lot we just haven't actually seen it drive or Mm -hmm. seen much of it Mm -mm. so that was cool i think like i said i would love to go to monterey this year the historics uh, yeah or yeah, the Laguna Seca, because I think he's going to race it out there. That'd be great, yeah. Which is awesome. Um, after paying, like, $4 million for it, I think it was, like, $5 million, yeah. something like that. So, it's pretty nuts. Pretty bold to get out there and do that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that was uh, that was Goodwood. It's always exciting. So I love, like, the coverage of that. Like, the live stream is so good. Um, they make it such a big event, which is really cool. Yeah, like I so said, you can watch a 24-hour stream. Mm-hmm. Like, it keeps... 
continually going and it's just great coverage, great views. I was kind of criticizing, like, I don't know if you watched it, probably didn't because I could hardly watch it and I actually tried to watch Pike's Peak this year and, like, to me, like, Pike's Peak could be something like that, sort of. Kind yeah, of. it could be. But it's just, the coverage is awful. Oh, the coverage is horrible. Like, I had an illegal stream, I found a legal stream on Reddit of the, uh, of, like, the paid streams, I think you have to pay to watch it, mm-hmm. which is the first problem, but even the paid, like, broadcasters, they'd be like, alright, well, uh, our computers aren't updated, so we don't know what the time was in that last one, and then they're like, it's horrible. they didn't know who was going, and when they did, um, like, okay, now the next car, you know, the Volkswagen ID, Pikes Peak's going, there's, like, three angles of it, like, through the fog, Yeah, and then, like, a helicopter is supposed to be catching up with it, which I know it's... Super quick, but still, there wasn't even like a halfway decent shot. That like, yeah. the cameras they had set up were not at the right spots, so you couldn't see yeah. any of the turns. I tried looking up YouTube videos of the run right after it happened, even that night, and there was nothing on there showing anything legit. It was yeah. just like the promos from Volkswagen and stuff like that. Yeah, it's like if you don't have an, like your own independent camera crew, like recording all the GoPros and putting it together, like you're never gonna have a decent shot. Yeah. Whereas Goodwood. Yeah, it's a bigger event, honestly, but still, like, it could be the same scale if you had, like, the put the effort into it to, right. like, cover it and have, like, as soon as Goodwood, like, as soon as the highlight happens, like, Goldberg wrecking the thing, mm-hmm. happens in the live stream, and then, like, 20 minutes later or less, it's already, like, edited and uploaded right. separate like, Yeah, highlight. exactly. So, uh, it'd be nice if Pike Speak kind of did that. No, I agree. I think they should make that something bigger than it is. Yeah, because it's only, like, for the people that are there, but no one really goes. No one's going to go right. out there. Especially, right? it's cool to see, like, Volkswagen being such a big manufacturer, not even an American manufacturer, mm-hmm. spend so much time developing a car just to break the Pikes Peak record. Yeah. Like, that's pretty significant. And, there, like, there's a pretty decent amount of, like, celebrities and drivers out there. Like, yeah. like Travis Pastrana and, like, mm-hmm. Ken Block were out there doing runs yeah. for different brands. Like, there's enough, like, going on at Pikes Peak. You should have better right. yeah. coverage of that. Better event. coverage. Um, so hopefully somebody sponsors that. That would um, be cool. So that was Goodwood. Uh, we can dive into, let's dive into, before we get into our best wagons, let's talk about the Buick Regal Tour X. I got the Essence package, uh, which, Good whatever name. that means, but it, you know, decently trimmed, you know, black leather seats. We had the white with the kind of the black uh, plastic accents around the outside. It was nice. It was a lot nicer than I was expecting. Yeah, so I... So the last Regal I was in, the Regals have always been nice, but it was kind of just, eh. Classic GM nice. It was just like, nice. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. you guys did okay. Yeah, it was nothing nothing too special. Yeah, but this actually feels really comfortable. Yeah, this was super comfortable, super nice to drive. Um, yeah, it's got a decent turbo motor, 2-liter turbo uh, with about 250 horsepower and all-wheel drive. So it's a little heavy, but I feel like it gets along pretty well. Like, I don't think For I the was... size, 250 horsepower was plenty. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was fun. good. I noticed, like, the old ones, I think, um, the old Regals, they were trying so hard to be, like, European. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the suspension in the old Regals that I drove back in, like, 2010 or what, 11, um, those were, like, kind of stiff. Whereas rough, this, this yeah. felt, like, good. This felt like it was soft enough, but mm-hmm. still had enough, like, kind of... You could use it as an all-wheel drive car, which you could take it off-road if you need to, or go up a dirt driveway, yeah. which is what it, everybody with this car is going to do. So super lofty, because I think they, yeah. they lost a fair bit of, uh, like, Buick customers, like traditional, that wanted that kind of comfortable ride when mm-hmm. they went to some of that stuff. So I think this kind of brings them back to like almost like the Audi balance. Like to me, it felt more like an Audi. Yeah, like it yeah, felt exactly. good. You know, it felt stiff when you wanted to, but it was probably Super a little comfy. softer than yeah. an Audi. Kind mm-hmm. of, it was kind of wallowy over some bumps and stuff, but it felt. It was nice. That's what Buick customers go to Buick for. Mm-hmm. I think the looks like when I first posted this car, like I got a lot. It's like one of the more comments I've gotten on like Facebook and social media from friends are like, Oh my God, it looks so good. I love yeah. that wagon. Mm-hmm. Um, so it reminds like, me of like the V90 wagon sort of. Yeah. A lot like that. And we both love, we're both big Volvo guys. Um, so I think like it's weird to see that much buzz about a Buick. Yeah, exactly. Um, and good on them. Cause I'm like, I don't even know. I mean, I imagine they still make an A4 wagon. Do they? Like, yeah, I believe so. Yeah. I imagine mm-hmm. I, like, you just don't see them around. You just don't see them around. Yeah. You don't see any wagons around, like mm-hmm. outside of Volvo. And I feel bad because I kept calling the Buick a Volvo just instinctively. <laughs> I was like, oh, the Vol, oh, yeah. the Buick Regal. Yep. Um, like, so the T-Rex is a little bit higher up off the ground. Like it's supposed to be for those people that are in, you know, more challenging areas than obviously we're meant to deal with. Like I've never. It's like the all track for Buick. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is hard to test in California because I've never had a scenario where I needed all wheel drive. Yeah. An extra three inches of ground clearance, whatever it is, two inches. Yeah, which is, but, like, you know, 
completely polar opposite. One of our guys who like uh, moderates our Audi World site, Chris Hansen, um, not that Chris Hansen, different <laughs> Chris Hansen. Um, shout out to him. Because he he got an Audi, and but he lives literally in. I'll have to look and see where he lives, but it's somewhere in the East Coast. And his house, literally, he says there's certain times where the the mail uh, carrier won't deliver a package to his driveway because they can't get up the driveway. Jeez, like it's that much ice and snow. You know, he lives kind of in the backwoods, or whatever, in the middle in the east, back east, and talk Middle East, <laughs> all of those east. Um, but. Because I, like I can't even fathom that. But that's how some people live. Where it's yeah. like you literally, without all-wheel drive, you couldn't even get home. That's crazy. up your driveway when it's that like slick. No so, thanks. Yeah, no thanks. But some people have to do that. like the vehicle Regal Tour X. Like that'd you be perfect. Yeah, like you could use that. We sort of have an American uh, alternative to the uh, some of the Audis and the Volvos and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, yep. The technology is good too. Like it's got GM's newest. Uh, you know. Uh, or their systems call, but it has the Android Auto, it has like Apple CarPlay, it had all that, which is great for the Super trip. easy to use, too. Um, tons of room. Like, mm-hmm. of course, a wagon, that's what it's made for, but it had tons of room. Like, you fold those seats flat and put, like, so much stuff in. I think we, I have a picture I'll post um, as part of this episode where I think I have a picture where we literally got, like, a bunch of stuff from Lowe's. I just filled the back of it up. That's awesome. So I think I just folded the seats down and we had, like, three bags of mulch <laughs> or something and, like, a bunch of other stuff, but we had like a full, yeah, like it took the wagon. That's the best part about wagons is you don't need a truck anymore. You can get everything in the back yeah. and you can still fit five people in there. Mm-hmm. It's great. Yeah. Like, and we speak, you know, we used to have so many wagons around yeah. and then the SUV, like, like it's something crazy now, like more than half of all cars sold are SUVs now. Yeah. That doesn't surprise me at all. Which is crazy. But I think for the utility, like. You don't need a truck. Most people don't need an SUV. No. You could easily, if you had a wagon in terms of like just a small family, one or two kids, and you just want to like go on vacation, I think that Buick Regal Tour X had more luggage space than your mm-hmm. average SUV. And it came with roof bars and a roof rack as well, so yeah. you could fit as much as you want up top too. Exactly. So I would totally load that baby up and mm-hmm. throw one of those like um, other roof uh, storage companies. Like Thule? Yeah, Thule. Yeah. That's the word I was looking for. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, come on. Uh, this one I gotta ask you though: Would you uh, would you rock it with the wood paneling on the side of her? Ooh, like the Ooh, like, like the, the old seventies ones. Yeah, like the like Roadmaster Buicks and stuff like that. Yeah, I would do it. Yeah, just yeah. be funny. I don't know. Yeah, they should. I feel like they should do some sort of like modern interpretation of wrap wood. it with like a wood paneling on the door. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That'd be sweet. Just like a weird linoleum pattern, <laughs> like wood simulated tile. That would be pretty cool. Um, would you? Uh, I could probably rock that. Yeah. Maybe it's like a third car. <laughs> yeah, third car. <laughs> Got the regular cars you can be seen with, and then occasionally mm-hmm. you want to just let your hair down and take the surfboard out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the other thing I wish I did have, so um, I'll link to my review too. I have the last generation Buick Regal GS, uh, which is like the old Grand Sport, like the fastest one that they make. Mm-hmm. Um, the last generation was criticized for not enough power. It had 258, which is only eight more horsepower than this bad boy had in it. Um, and this car wasn't, I wouldn't call it fast. Like, it felt no. good, but it was not fast. Right. Um, the good thing about when the Buick Regal GS first came out, it was only available in a six-speed manual, which I loved. That would be great. And I remember I took it through all the way to Arizona for my aunt's wedding, I think. And it was, like, cross-country. had a radar detector, and it was just, like, Perfect. just going. Yeah. You know, like, and it had just enough power to, like, that 70 to 80 mile an hour like mm-hmm. range where you just drop it into fifth whatever and like pass on like a two-lane highway like, yeah it for was sure perfect for that so uh, i would love if they could put because the new gs which i haven't driven yet has 300, 300 horsepower which That'd i've heard nice. i've heard all the reviews are pretty good it looks good um but there's no gs version on the wagon so mm. i think i feel like you would have to do like all those other companies do a rear wheel drive gs wagon yeah be pretty cool that'd be awesome yeah um but I think 300 horsepower in this thing would be pretty sweet. Yeah, I think so too. That would be just enough to have some fun, but still get decent gas mileage and still be able to drive it normally around town. Yeah, and I feel like it wouldn't cost them that much. You know, like they already have everything laid out for them. Like, why not just take t- that you have on the Tour X off? Um, right. You can keep all-wheel drive if you have to or whatever. Yeah. That saves money and just throw that motor in there and the same body kind of trimmings. For sure. I would totally drive that. Totally rock or bright red one. Um which compares to, like, I had a V60 uh, wagon, the R design, the last-gen um, Volvo mm-hmm. in, in red. Love and that it. was one of my favorite cars. Yeah. Like, that thing is an absolute just beast. Mm-hmm. Um, 
That probably brings us into a little bit of the uh, the wagon love. Yeah. So it's exciting to talk about our our the wagons we love we're, the most. We're big wagon fans. Big wagon fans. So we might as well figure Matt and I will get our top five list, and we'll kind of go back and forth and talk about. Uh, I'm curious to see how many of ours match up, or if any are. Yeah, it's gonna be seven, I think seventy percent of them are gonna be the same. Told them to try to choose different, but uh, I went a little weird on some. I try to get a little different, but okay. I feel like we're. Just but gonna, I still kept mine in line with who I am and what I like. I feel like we're just gonna steer into the same like. Yeah, I feel like, yeah. That, I yeah. mean, there's only so many wagons you could choose from, really. But yeah, let's uh, let's just do them slowly. So like, let's okay. do your fifth, and then we'll do my fifth. So number five of your uh, on your list. What do you number got? five would be the 1988 E30 Touring. Oh, okay, okay. Not on my list. I was hoping um, I was trying to leave some of the European stuff open for you, so I knew yeah. that uh, Mercedes was probably gonna be on your list. Love or the BMWs. Love right? the E30 body style. I had a big E30. And just the rarity of the E30 wagon mm-hmm. was always like high on my list to get. I love it. I, I love the look of it. It still retains that E30 look in the front, but it's a wagon in the back. And it came, comes with a five-speed manual transmission, Ooh. which was super cool. Straight six, 170 horsepower, 163 foot-pounds of torque. In 88, was a ton of fun. Well, the car's so lightweight, too. I remember yours. Like, yeah, just your sedan super was fun. like super... Uh, lightweight, and you could, that's like the perfect size. Like that's back before they ballooned up. I think the E30 is like the perfect BMW. Oh yeah, I think so too. E36 is kind of were great, but they're a little bigger. Uh, I, I don't know. I just love the square style of the E30. I love it. So what was your number five? My number five is the Saab Nine Five Sport Combi. Oh, didn't make it in the U.S. That's the last generation. Really. Yeah, so they uh, went to look that one up. But yeah, Saab 9.5. Uh, there's an awesome Jalopnik article that I'll link to. Is somebody like took one and they made the pro, like they didn't make hardly any of them. And so he made a, a prototype in Europe, road legal. So there's only a few that are road legal, but it's the last gen of Saab 9.5, which is one of the last cars they ever made. Um, That's crazy. But the looks of that thing. Just like so good, like I, I love the looks of the last gen nine five, and we yeah a wagon to me like just like that tail line is perfect. Um, I have a special place in my heart because the Saab nine five is also the car that I've gotten the most tickets in, which is wild. Which is wild because it's even compared to my own cars. One week, I had it as a rental or a, a, a loaner, and I got two tickets. I got a speeding ticket for like a seventy six on the free, or no, like a seventy two or something, and a sixty five something. Dumb. <laughs> That's horrible. And then I got a. Uh, no uh, no U-turn ticket, which is me being an idiot. Still. Still. But yeah, I've never gotten, even in a car that I've owned, I don't think I've ever gotten two tickets in a car that I've owned. I have not. I've yeah, always not like, sold one or got a new one before I got two. So That's an interesting choice. I was not expecting that at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to throw a couple curves in there, but I really like, every time I see one of those 9.5s, I'm like, Ugh. They're great. I, I love, would, yeah, I love the nine fives, like Saab wagons in general, like the Sabaru, whatever they yeah. have. That mm-hmm. thing. Um, I always love. Like, didn't Jim on the office have a? He did. Yeah, had a, he had he the Sabaru. Yeah, yeah. Um, like I said, I think they're like European only. They didn't make that many. A couple of them are literally just. Um, yeah, I don't even think it made a dealership. So there's literally a prototype. So there's only like seven out there. Or something. Back in the day when Saab had the ignition in the center console. Oh yeah, the terrible key. That, yeah. Um, I think there are guys doing kits to convert the regular ones into this thing. That'd be legit. It costs like an absurd amount, and you, like you have to destroy like an old um, like Subaru. That's I think. okay. Well, like I would totally do it. Yeah. Because um, I think it just looks. I think it looks cool. It'd be yeah. super rare because there's like none on the street. So, so mine doesn't even hardly exist really. But that's like number five. So, if, what, when uh, we move to Europe for a year, we'll grab yeah, we'll track, subs. Track down one of these prototypes. So. Um, all right, on to number four. What's number four? My number four was uh, Volvo, the new Volvo V90. Ooh, close to one of mine. But I love uh, it. Yeah, I love the new body style of the Volvos and where Volvo's headed, and their new styling and their new interiors are amazing. Um, I love their infotainment centers. It just oh, looks yeah. so classy inside now. Um, so we haven't had one of those yet. We have had the uh, S90. S90. So similar, mm-hmm. but um, I've yet to have the V90. I did drive it off-road, which is really funny. So we have the uh, so the Motor Press Guild has the drop tops and dirt event every year that they do, and it's got you can drive convertibles on the roads in Malibu and then the off-road stuff for like SUVs generally. 
and they brought one of the V90 cross, what the heck is it, cross country. Mm-hmm. And we drove it on the off-road course. I love that. <laughs> and it was, it did pretty well. So, like, so that reminds me a lot of this kind of Tourex. Like, yeah. Or something like, I wish I had the opportunity to drive it on the, the Buick when we had it on one of these kind of off-road trails because That'd be fun. it was really yeah. challenging. And there's spots where, like, there's, like, blind turns or, like, really tricky and they're guiding us and it was like something you should never ever no one would ever do in a Volvo yeah Andy cross country yeah it was doing it but I've been seeing them around town and I love them I love the look of them I would totally drive one we I love the S90 when we had it yeah I thought that the interior of that the power I, I loved it they're perfect and like the lease deals right now are insane crazy I wonder if the same is true for the V90 I mean I don't know it might be maybe not maybe that's more of a maybe case. not yet they're yeah. pretty new yeah, that's true. They kind of came out with those after the S90. But the S90, like, people are getting the S90 for under $300 Crazy. a month. Crazy. I know. I would totally do that. Which is such a good car. Like, yeah. It's such a comfortable car. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a goodie. Uh, so we'll talk about mine, number four. Um, can't touch on this last episode. So a little throwback. But Dodge Mag- 2008, specifically, Dodge Magnum SRT8. Wow. I didn't even think of that one. Yeah. That was, that's awesome. Yeah. I like that. So that's the one that I think uh, is a follow-up, because Matt and I talked about how rare it was the last year for the Dodge Magnum, Yeah, and it was the SRT8, and I said, how rare those are. I think I found the numbers, and it was like, I think there's 300 or less when we were talking about it. Yeah. 300 or less of them made. They're probably just all sitting in old guys' garages waiting to... Yeah, and that's when I think the dealer near us was saying he was literally taking like orders, and people would come by in a truck and just pick them up and then go and garage So them. cool. Um I'll have to find the production numbers, but it's something insane. But I think the, um, to me, the 2008 was the best selling. They added, like, some of the tweaks yep. to, like, a hood scoop. Mm-hmm. They added some, like, it's kind of, like, finally got it. Yeah, yeah, before, like, they got rid of it, they kind of finalized what it should be styled-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, here's a guy on the forums. Um, what forum is this? SRT Connection. He got an email from Ralph Gilles with the production numbers because he's asking about, like, he had a blue one, and uh, so the last 29 that were made were in this blue but he said overall there's only uh, 239. Oh my gosh! Made so like I had no idea that it's that rare. Like you think of rare cars, like that's how many that's Ferrari crazy. Enzos? That's rarer than a Ferrari. That's 500. Enzo. Yeah. So yeah, the that's Do- 2008 nice. Dodge Magnum SRT8 is rarer than a Ferrari Enzo, which is Wild. absurd. Um, so to me that would be awesome just to have that. I would daily just to piss off a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. Somehow get in a ditch and just ruin your life. So yeah. Yeah, what do you got for uh, number three? Numero three, I put the eight, 2018 Mercedes E63 Estate. Love it. That a boy. I love E-classes. I love wagons. And this is like the perfect combination for me. Mercedes, you always get, you know what you're getting with a Mercedes. Mm-hmm. And a Mercedes V8, nonetheless, is amazing. 603 horsepower and 630 foot-pounds of torque in a wagon, in a sedan. I mean, you can't really ask for much more than that. That's perfect. Yeah. And that thing looks so good. That's one of oh, the yeah. last, like, just brutal wagons. Yeah. Um, flat. You can get it in flat black. Oh, it looks so mean. Were you with us at the, uh, I think it was, like, Porsche Festival Speed? At, yep. With that old guy. Mm-hmm. The old guy with, like, an oxygen tank. Oh, and my he, hero. he rolled up, like, we're at the Porsche uh, Festival Speed at Irwindale Speedway. Or not Irwindale. Uh, yeah, it was Fontana. Oh, Fontana, yeah. Yeah, it was out in Fontana. And this guy just rolls up, and he's in, he's literally in a like a motorized chair or something too. Yeah, he pulled a motorized chair out of the back, out of the back of the of the freaking E sixty three wagon. It was like uh, it was a couple years old. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. two thousand like fourteen or fifteen. Yeah, probably still no, my hero. Yeah, rolling in a motorized wheelchair with an oxygen tank drives an E sixty three estate. It's, that's that's my dream. That's the dream. Minus the uh, oxygen, minus oxygen in the motorized scooter, but <laughs> maybe the scooter. If I could be, if I could be eighty-five, still driving a E sixty-three, I'd be, I'd be happy with that. Yeah, it's a solid choice. Yeah, I was hoping you'd uh, bring that one up. So mine, we're jumping back a generation. It's in, in vain. This is Volvo V sixty Polestar. Ooh, in blue. I like that. Yeah, it's a last gen Polestar. Because I love the V sixty. Uh, the Polestar. Polestar blue is amazing. I love that color, 362 horsepower from that V6. Yeah. By the time they finally got rid of it, God, that thing was... Yeah. Feels good. The seats are just unreal. Amazing. Yeah. That Swedish leather. Um, Like I said, I think you don't see them that often. I think the color alone makes it jump out. Mm -hmm. So I think it's it's just rare enough. It's kind of performance. Like I said, just having the R-Design V60, I'll link to that review. Yeah. That had plenty of power. Like, 
it would like rattle off the shifts like mm-hmm. it was like a true sports car. So I imagine, like I said, I only drove an S60 Polestar, I think. I don't think I ever drove a V60. And I had a plenty of power. Yes. Like, so the ma- I imagine the wagon is just Love it. good enough. Yeah. Those are so amazing. So I think that's going to go down. It's probably one of the more iconic. There's a lot of iconic, like, performance. Like, but to me, like, the 80s, like, T8 or whatever, Volvo wagons. Yeah. Like, people love those. No, and, thanks. But to me, that never did it for I'm me. Not a, so, yeah, I'm not a fan of those old square Volvos. No. So to me, this is this is more of my... Yeah. Of and my it's own. just, like, understated enough to be not super... Uh, out there and like loud. yeah it's just 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 a little blue yeah just a little, just a little blue. Bright. yeah <laughs> yeah so it's good what about number uh dose and my number two would be the 2018 porsche panamera sport turismo Ooh. i love that that a boy yeah i love it in a wagon and they added that little that little sedan look to it with that little sport turismo thing in the mm-hmm. back oh i love it no, I've only seen, like, I've driven by a couple of dealerships that's had one. I don't think I've ever seen them on the road yet. Um, but, God, the looks of that thing. It's its perfect. I love the Panamera when it came out from the very get-go. And all these years later, they've just improved it every year. And I think it is absolutely perfect. Especially with the new, like, uh, the Turbo E-Hybrid stuff that they're doing. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be amazing. I love whenever they do the e-hybrids and the guys use like that that green color for the brake calipers. Oh, I like love the, it. Yeah, it's like such a cool accent color. But I mean, even just the standard Sport Turismo Turbo has 554 horsepower and 567 foot pounds of torque, which we can get into a lot of trouble with. I mean, that that's perfect. Do they make a GTS version of the? I imagine they will. I, I'm sure they will. I don't think they make it yet. I think it's just up to the turbo right now. Yeah. Because I love the looks of the, like I said, I think we're at the Ali Auto Show and they debuted the GTS line for all their cars. And like, so I think good. the GTS Panamera looks so sick. Yeah. Like, color matched the seat belts to the, yeah. out, the exterior color. Because I think that. Resnack, I don't know if you were there with me, but Resnack had like a red yeah. mm-hmm. GTS with the black and everything. Yep. Like, oh, red seat belts. Like, could you so imagine good. when they come out with the Sport Turismo GTS? GTS. Love it. Yeah. So that's a great choice. I was hoping you'd, you'd pick up that one. Um, Number dose for me, what did I get for? Had to do it. Uh, Cadillac CTSV wagon. Ooh. Yeah. That's where we cross over. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's number one. one. That's number yeah. one. <laughs> it's like I said, it was close to my number one, but God, it's, to me, it's just. That was our, that was like the first time that I remember like really loving a wagon. Like, yeah. It was so raw. And like for that, for 2009 when it came out, mm-hmm. like. A wagon with 550 horsepower and a manual transmission was well, just insane. so cool. Yeah, I yeah. Keep, like so. My wife's looking for a new car, and I keep trying to talk her into the CTS <laughs> wagon or just any CTS wagon. I'm like, please, please, God, yeah. like it looks so good, and they're like their prices now are getting like it's so insanely affordable. affordable. <laughs> yeah, um, but it's so hard to find a manual wagon now. Oh yeah, no, there's it's super hard. To, I kind of want to look up the kilometers. I'm going to look production up. numbers. I'm just going to look up how much they're selling for right now. Oh, yeah. Auto Trader to find a CTS. I mean, all the CTSV sedans we drove were amazing. We had so much fun with those cars. And just driving a stick with 550 horsepower back in 2009 was so much fun. And the wagon was just, it's just insane. Yeah, because I, like, we loved the, that was one of the first, I remember that was, like, the joy I had. It was, like, one of my first press cars that was a manual. Yep. And it happened to be the CTSV sedan, which blew me away, because he dropped it off, and I'm, like, sitting in there, and I'm, like, oh, my gosh, it's a manual 550-horsepower <laughs> sedan. Um, it was incredible. Like, we absolutely loved that car. Um, and the wagon is just, I mean, I love the taillights, the way that, like, yes. they go, they're elongated, almost like yep. the Escalade. Um Trying to show me six results, but I'm like on the mobile view or something like that. Well, you that was my number one choice, so we kind of overlap there, so we don't have to go over my number one. That was it. That was, well, I have one more. Yeah, what was yours? I have my number one. So this is sort of a, another cheat, but I think you'll appreciate it. Ferrari 456 GT Venice. <laughs> something over nice. Uh, special I didn't even think of that. Yeah. I know you're a 456 fan. <laughs> yeah. Not a lot of people <laughs> Not are. Not a lot of people are. But to me, like said so that, so it's the I think it was called the GT Venice, the 456 GT Venice. So Sullivan Bernay had he had like six of them made yeah. into wagons or uh, shooting brakes. Bed vans. Yeah. So he, had, uh, I just think like 
It looks so good. It's like before Ferrari started going to like FS and some of like the mm-hmm. sort of hatchback. To me, it was like every time I saw that thing, I was like, God, a V12, like family yeah, wagon. I love, I honestly, I really like the 456 as well, just because it was so different. Like, mm-hmm. there's back in the day, you, don't, you didn't see a, well, you did, but it, like a four seater Ferrari like that was just super cool, understated, yeah. not looking like a Ferrari. Yeah, V12, I, mean, yeah. I think it was like five and a half liters. 440 horsepower at the oh. time like oh that noise that, that thing, was great i can hear the noise in my head right now yeah like, you can oh. get that in a manual transmission as well yeah so good so you know so i don't sold Bernay money but like said so if i did like so at some point when that guy's dying and they just get scattered around i'll for, take like, all nine, four, amount of money. Sixes, yeah there's so many sold in Bernay ferraris that are like if those ever hit auction i'm sure there's probably Someday. a couple that have yeah God, I think he had seven of them made from what I read, like five, I think only five wagons or the shooting brakes and then two, just like some other special customizations, God. but yeah, we need sold to Brunei money ASAP. But yeah, I'll link to that story about that thing. I, I like thought of it and I was like, wasn't there a wagon Ferrari? And I was like, oh yeah, this thing. Totally forgot about that. Um, I have some runner ups too, just in case we uh, crossed off. We talked about it when we talked about the, the Regal, but the Buke Roadmaster from like 1980s <laughs> yeah, or 90s, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, that thing was, a, there's a couple at uh, Radwood this past year that were just absolutely insane. One guy had a listed Buke Roadmaster. That's so cool. Spiritual successor to the uh, Regal Tour X, but it had a, had a uh, what do you call it, a luggage. Luggage uh, carrier on top. And it had, oh, really? like Lifted tire, like meaty tires. That's like, so had cool. a ladder going up to the roof. My old, my other one was the Aston Martin Rapide. Mm. I, I loved that car. Mm-hmm. It was so cool for its time, and like it was just so out of the blue from Aston Martin to come out with like a four door wagonish yeah. car. Yeah, so yeah. cool looking to me. I've driven in the back of one of those. It's tiny. Yeah, it's <laughs> really <laughs> awful. But the looks of it were so cool. Um, the other one's on my list too though. I it's a new one. Like, I guess we're supposed to get one at my office at work. Jaguar XF shoot brake, shooting brake. Oh yeah, sport brake, sport brake. That thing looks so good. I like that. Yeah, like I love the new Jaguars, and for them to do, you know, it, there's a lot of classic Jaguar wagons too. But like that XF sport brake, uh, especially the S. I think it's got like 500 horsepower or something like that, 70 Jeez. grand. But it just looks so good. Yeah, I agree. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of. A lot of solid wagons, solid wagon choices. Um, we covered a lot of it. I thought yeah. we'd overlap on a lot of it, but we actually had a pretty I hope good there's more wagon love in the future because there's two two people here who continue to love them. Yeah, the Regal. The Regal's got to keep that on. That's why I think performance wagons, especially, just make people yeah. excited again. Like I don't think they make a manual anymore for the Regals in any trim level, which sucks. Um, yeah, there's a. This I'm going way off. There's a Buick. Uh, is it Verona? Is that the weird sedan? I'm yes. looking it up right now. Mm-hmm. That's the weird, yeah, weird sedan. So the Buick Verano, they made that with like 2.4 turbo, like 250 horsepower, stick shift. Really? Yeah. Like I had a blue one as a press car. I'm like, oh, how rare are those? And I looked and there's like less than a thousand produced. Wow. You'll never see. I have a, I have a of course I do. Something about to go through my auto trader and Craigslist alerts, but I like know. I have a Verano <laughs> six-speed manual. <laughs> and that's never come up. <laughs> no, it's never ever come <laughs> Uh, I have a bunch of random ones too. I would probably have like a Saab 9.5 Sport Combi. It's never going to come up. <laughs> just, just in case. Uh, what was the other one I have? A Saab 9.4X. Saab oh, SUV. Yeah. There's only like three, four yeah. of those in existence. Those, those were cool. The last, the official last Saab in the United in the world. R.I.P. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's some wagon love. Um, that's our uh, episode. We do uh, have a bonus, a little bonus at the end. Yes, we do. Ooh, yeah, there's more. A little dessert. For the, uh, there's more for the hefty meat that was on our <laughs> episode, um, but yeah. So stay tuned. I did a uh, we spent some time, and by we I mean myself <laughs> with the Lexus GS. In spirit. Yeah, Matt was in spirit uh, with the Lexus GS 450H, the hybrid. Um, they're they're due for a replacement on that car, and so I kind of talk about why <laughs> it's like really ready for a replacement. Yeah. So, it is. Um, I did kind of an in-car review of that vehicle that I'll attach to the end of the year. So. Feel free to listen to that, and thanks for, uh, please subscribe, tell your friends, and Matt and I will be back uh, with some more more car chat, probably another episode of the uh, Millennium Muscle, probably get the Mustang soon. That sounds good to me. So, alright, we will catch you later. See ya. Alright, we haven't done one of these in a while, um, but now that we have the podcast, I thought it would be a good time to bring it back up. This is a tarpool review. Um, 
fitting because we are stuck in traffic, as you are typically in Los Angeles at around 6 o'clock on a weekday. I am behind the wheel of the 2017 Lexus GS450H. Each, of course, is for hybrid. And I thought I would talk about this car because I think it's a unique car. It kind of blends the old world of Lexus with the new um, in some good ways and some bad. So, um, looking at this car, this is a car that has been out. It's one of the oldest models. Uh, the IS may be the oldest. Um, that hasn't received an update, hasn't had the full Lexus, they've focused on SUVs, um, they focused on the, obviously the LS um, sedan, which is stunning and beautiful, and the interior looks great, um, so this car really, it's been around for, gosh, almost six, seven years now, in its life cycle, without much of a change, it was one of the first Lexuses to get the kind of radical spindle grill, um, or at least some of the early signs of that. Um, and so that's what I want to talk about. I think this car, this car, first off, it's a big car. Um, the price on this thing is $67,000, which is staggering to me. Um, it's obviously it's a full car, it competes with, you know, probably Audi A6, borderline Audi A8, uh, pricing, uh, something like that, but it's, um, just kind of, it's in a weird place in the market, um, and that cost, again, you know, the only options on this one here is the Mark Levinson sound system, which is fantastic, for about $1,300. Yeah, so I think I want to talk about the, the basis of this car. This car is kind of an enigma to me, is it's a, it's got performance, it's got 338 horsepower, it can get up and move, um, when you really dip into the, uh, the power of the, the V6 with the, uh, hybrid motor, um, it's got a decent amount of power, um, can really get out of its own way, but then in most driving cases, you're going to have an eco, and you're going to get the 34 highway, we're getting in traffic kind of off and on with the hybrid and gas motor, we're getting about 30, so for a full-size sedan, it's very comfortable, 30 miles per gallon, it's kind of the perfect commuter, um, it does have... Um, the adaptive cruise control, you could tell it's an early version of adaptive cruise control because it's particularly bad um, in terms of uh, when you're moving, it's great. When you are stationary or when you come to a stop, it's pretty abrupt and it keeps you way too far from a car. Even in the closest setting, it'll stop you about a car length back, which in LA traffic is way too far because people sneak in and such like that. Um, look at a lot of this is kind of the early starts of uh, the new technology, the entertainment system, the infotainment, um, doesn't have, of course, Android Auto or any of that sort of thing, um, but it is nice, it's a nice layout, it's a big screen, I want to say, you know, I'll have to look at the screen, but it's well over about eight or nine inches wide, it's a wide screen, you can have two different layers side by side, so you can have, you know, your Bluetooth information with the map taking up the big screen, or swap out and have the music on the big screen and the map on the small screen. You can customize it how you like. So it is a nice interface. It's got the kind of weird, um, almost joystick that you move around and it selects and highlights different options on the screen. Um, but it works. It works well. Um, the whole cabin is trimmed very nicely. Like if it's what you expect from Lexus. Lexus cars have never been poor in terms of internal quality, even for a model that's kind of older. Um, still feels very nice. Seats are comfortable. Heated, cooled seats. Uh, sorry, just heated seats in this one. Um, it feels like a luxury car. It just doesn't feel like seventy thousand dollars. It's but what you're paying for is the technology. Unfortunately, much of the industry has moved on to plug-in hybrids or electrics. Or this car feels very much old hybrid. It's very you can definitely tell the transition between the gas and the and the electric motor. It's a little rough around the edges. You know, something that was high tech and and, and uh, somewhat revolutionary back. In 2011, 2010, 2012, when this car was coming out, um, but right now it just doesn't feel impressive. When there's when there's great electric powertrains, you know, we'll talk about the we'll link in the review to the Volvo XC90 plug-in. That's an eighty thousand dollar SUV, but it feels like an eighty thousand dollar SUV. You plug it in, the system is smooth, the power delivery is smooth. There's no awkwardness in the noise of the gas motor kicking on. It just everything feels polished and. And for Alexis, this might have been polished, you know, 
when this car uh, was first refreshed in, in 2012, but it doesn't feel refreshed right now. It feels old. Um, and the styling, so who does exterior? That's the interesting thing about this car. The person that's going to buy this car wants to be comfortable, but they also want the conservative styling. Um, Lexus has got a ton of criticism for their spindle grille and how they've changed up their styling to be more, you know, dynamic and, and interesting, and I'm a huge fan of it. Um, I'm a huge fan of it in the RC, the um, LC500, which we have that review we can link to. Um, it looks great, even the new LS. Like I said, the LS looks fantastic. I just think in this car, the, the styling elements, it's got almost like a Euro taillight, to use an older term. The styling is just kind of, the styling is trying to market to somebody who's my age, maybe in their younger 30s, but those people don't have the means. The people that are buying this car, if, they, if someone who just wants a, doesn't want a sports car necessarily, just wants a comfortable commuter to spend $70,000 they want something as mundane and boring as an Audi A6. Uh, so that's the tough part about this car is it's not a sports car. It's not anything that's going to attract somebody to that aspect of it. It's a economical cruiser um, that's comfortable. And so I just don't... That's where I think the spindle grille and the styling didn't need to be as dynamic. I understand it on some of the more sporty cars. I understand it on the lower level trim to get new people into the brand. But something like the GS, which has always been a brand staple for being a comfortable, full-size car that's rather, um, you know, toned down, almost like a Toyota Avalon um, upgrade. This just seems to me, I don't know what, you know, I don't think the sales will show it. It needs some help. I think it's definitely the next lesson to get a upgrade um, to kind of make move it up into the, you know, the LS level of how well the LS sedan looks now, um, and it does incorporate, the LS may be the most dynamic in terms of the new spindle grille, but I think the interior matches that, the feel of that car matches the the new energy of that car, and I think this, this GS 450H, it just, it, it blends, like I said, it, it's a weird blend of the old Lexus with the new Lexus, and I don't think that translates especially in 2017 and 2018 now, um, into something that's, that stands the test of time. It's in this awkward transition phase. It doesn't know where it wants to be, whether it's, you know, pushed full into the future because it's not there yet. It's just like dipping its toe in the future of Lexus. Um, so that's an interesting thing for me. I was trying to think of who would buy this car, and, you know, it's somebody, like I said, it's somebody who's, who has a Toyota Avalon and wants to, you know, maybe got a raise and wants something a little nicer. But that person's, you know, in their late 60s, 50s, and the styling of this car, you know, if you're not getting the S4, I said, I get the S4. I get if you want the performance, you want something a little more styling. That may m make more sense, but something over a hybrid that's just okay to kind of commute around town and it feels comfortable, but there's just so much at that near $70,000 price point that can do something like this and be more engaging or more comfortable or just as comfortable um, that's really going to take the buyers away. And so I think this car, it's hard to wrap your head around why it exists. Um, I come from a Lincoln MKZ hybrid, yes, it's 2012, which is, strangely enough was developed around the same time as this car got its update, its last update. And that car, like, so the way the hybrid system in that field, that's a $36,000 car when it was new. Um, feels similar to this, you know, the transitions are not bad, they're not rough, but you hear them, you, you acknowledge them, they don't feel like a modern plug-in electric or an electric hybrid uh, drivetrain, so it's just a, it's, it's a sign of how far we've advanced in the last five years with, in terms of electric powertrains. Toyota and Lexus don't seem to be in that boat with the plug-in, yes, they have the plug-in, um, uh, Prius, and like I said, also I think it's more maybe a Highlander. They're still sticking to hybrids, and they really haven't. Strangely enough, the ones who started the, the Prius, how iconic that car was, and how much it did for the hybrid technology in the United States, and, it, and how people had uh, adopted that technology, they really have kind of gotten left in the dust when it comes to electric powertrains. And we were talking in the office whether this would be. Do you think the next GS? update becomes a plug-in electric, and I don't think it will, um, and 
we talked about, the, the way they've been doing things, I don't think it, it'll use that. It may still be a hybrid, it'll be an improved hybrid, it'll feel a lot nicer, it'll feel um, more like the LC um, hybrid system, which is a lot smoother. You'll get that, but I don't think they're going to go all electric, which is interesting. Um, I would have loved to see them. But if you're going to do a car like this, um, I think it, I think you almost have to do it. It's interesting that Lexus and Toyota really haven't jumped in the ring. I know they put their the eggs uh, in the basket of hydrogen, um, at least in the Mirai, and we will have that review soon. But um, I'm interested to see why they wouldn't do that, especially in the luxury market. Everybody, Mercedes, you know, BMW is going to plug in for most of their uh, more expensive sedans. Uh, I feel like they have to do it, and if they're not going to do it, they're not going to make this car interesting enough. Um, yes, you're going to have more reliability. I mean, this car is going to this car is going to drive forever, and it's going to be worth you know sixty-seven thousand dollars now. In three years, it'll be worth fifty-two thousand dollars, which is insane. That's just how Lexus works. They're going to hold their value. They're going to be reliable. It's going to be a comfortable cruiser for you know a decade. Um, which is good. I just don't know if that sells enough cars. Um, you need something special. You need that wow factor. You need the the new LS sedan has that wow factor. It's gorgeous on the inside and out, and it's the the halo car. You know, the, I mean, you know, halo in terms of luxury. Uh, the LC 500 is clearly the halo in terms of performance. But I think if it models itself after the halo LS, I think it'll be in a good place. I think you still have to have the technology and the powertrain to back that up. Um, improvements on, you know, maybe the self-driving features and the adaptive cruise control, those will all come. I know the newest, newer systems have gotten better. Um, so it'll all get there. It's just, right now, it's a, it's, a, it's a really good car. It's really solid. It feels comfortable. It's just, I don't know if it has a place in 2018 in its current form. Um, and I think Lexus is obviously it's one of the latest models to get the kind of warming over that the rest of the models have gotten. So I'm excited to see in the next two years what the GS 450H turns into, or if that maybe turns into a 450E. I don't think they, you know, interested to see where it goes. But right now, uh, in its current form, great car, just um, a tough sell in a market that's full of newer competition. So yeah, that's uh, another review on the road, a carpool review, and I hope you enjoyed it, and uh, stay tuned for more uh, on the Ignition Blog Podcast.